Hello, and welcome to episode 32 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. In this episode, Maggie and I will be talking about dating, love spells, and attraction. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're your hosts, the Mystic Sisters, Erica and Maggie. In this segment of the show, we choose a tarot card for the week, and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. For this episode, we chose the Seven of Wands, and the theme for this card is reflection on previous actions and what's worth fighting for. Now, this card is pretty aggressive when you first look at it. The figure is tensely holding a wand on the edge of a cliff, and there are more wands poking up at him from below. It always makes me think of that scene in Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, where Obi-Wan and Anakin are fighting, and Obi-Wan yells, I have the high ground. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I also think it's important to notice that he can clearly see the faces of the people who are trying to bring him down. It's not a sneak attack or something happening in secret behind his back. This is a very public attack where he knows who his attackers are. And as you know, Maggie, you mentioned last week, this card comes after the six of wands in which someone is being celebrated and praised for their achievements And, well, with all that glory and celebration often brings the haters as well. Yes. So what is your story about the Seven of Wands, about maybe picking your battles or reflecting on what's worth fighting for, Erica? My story has kind of a toxic element to it. I recently was divorced, and part of it, the reason for that was because of losing my voice with my ex. And it was a gradual thing of constantly having to bite my tongue and not say what my true feelings were because of a sense of self-preservation and not poking the tiger as it were, or um, making the problem worse. And so a lot of times, even if I disagreed with that person, it would I would choose not to argue or say my own thoughts or anything like that because I needed to uh, hold out for future fights or for things that were really important. Yeah, so you're picking your battles, you know, self-preservation type of way. Exactly. For me, I feel like just being public about things or using social media I think everybody has this in general when you're using social media there's always going to be somebody who is trying to bring you down in some way Um, but having a lot of followers who aren't like friends and family necessarily a lot of strangers and not having any sort of control over who is viewing the content that you're creating has opened me up to a lot of people who it seems like they're purposefully misunderstanding me and also not recognizing that like I'm a human who runs the accounts and not just like a bot or something like that Um, so I think this card always makes me think of that when I get hateful comments or negative comments that hurt my feelings (laughs) and then trying to see how I can you know defend my territory defend myself and not 
take it personally, I guess, because they don't see me as a person, so I shouldn't be taking it personally, you know? I think that's a really important thing to remember that they're out there just to troll, just to be willfully ignorant and misunderstanding, as you said. So, yeah. And I think that's why I, I spend so much time focusing my content on like what it means to be a witch and, and, you know, just trying to really be clear about these words and these meanings in general. Yeah. And yeah, it's important to not engage with them and just move on. Yeah, because engaging with trolls just makes them stronger. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like in The Hobbit where giving them light turns them to stone. Giving them light gives them strength. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let's uh, transition into our topic for the week like Erica said we are talking about dating and how that and that relates to Leo season because as we talked about in the um how to make the most of Leo season episode there's an aspect of like having fun and flirting and things like that and that's a big part of dating whether you you're dating a new person or dating a spouse or dating someone you've been in relationship with for a while So that's what we wanted to talk about. And particularly, we wanted to start with what it means to cast a love spell, because I've been writing about and teaching witchcraft for about eight years now. And seriously, the most common requests I receive in my inbox is, can you cast a love spell for me? Yeah. And if you look at spell books from a long time ago, the majority of the entries are about fertility and finding love. And I think even looking at the magical uses of many herbs, you'll find love listed in some form or another. So it's certainly a popular desire and there's a lot of confusion surrounding casting love spells. So like I said, in this episode, Erica and I just wanted to share our thoughts on how we think love spells work. And the first thing we know about love magic is that it's incredibly difficult. If you ask me, any magic that is designed to influence another person in any way is going to be difficult and the effect will be dependent on the recipient, the person that you would be casting the spell upon. Because everybody has their own wants and desires and plans for their lives that that might not match up with what you want for them or for you in relationship. And some people may say that it's not only difficult, but it's also unethical. So what do you think, Erica? Do you think it's ethical to cast love spells? Probably yes. I think that it's very difficult to change another human being. The only person that you can change is yourself. And so if you're casting a love spell to make somebody fall in love with you, that's actively changing them and making them do something that they may or may not want to do. And so in that regard, I think a love spell cast that way is going to be nigh on impossible to actually successfully complete. I totally agree. I don't necessarily have an issue with love spells, uh, but I do think that they're misused and misunderstood, kind of like what you're saying that people are trying to change somebody else and people will jump into casting a love spell without really appreciating that they are influencing someone else's mind. Now, I personally believe, and Erica says she agrees with this, that magic works better if you focus on yourself and changing yourself first, because then you don't really have to worry about that other aspect. You don't have to worry about another person's magic and how that will influence it. 
because even people who aren't witches are using magic at all time. They're just not aware of it. Witches are aware of this power and are actively working with it, but everybody is using magic all the time. When you instead just seek to change yourself and attract more opportunities to you that are aligned with what you want, that's going to be much easier and much more effective. Agreed. It's it's not about making somebody fall in love with you. It's about putting out in the world the things that you're looking for and that you're desiring so that you can find that person who will fall in love with you. Exactly. Like I mentioned that last week about how I believe I manifested my husband. Basically, I was just reflecting on what I wanted in a love partner. And I wasn't thinking about a specific person. There wasn't somebody I had in mind that I wanted to fall in love with me or that I wanted to be in love with. But I just thought of things that were absolutely necessary for me to feel content and fulfilled in a relationship and things that would also be nice to have. (laughs) So, and then I made that list, like I mentioned, I didn't realize at the time that the opportunity to move to Portland was related to this list I had made about the love I was seeking, but I did act on that. And it eventually a month later resulted in me meeting my husband. I was reflecting on what I wanted And it led me to the person that matched that description. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned that I am recently divorced. And so I've been back into the dating pool and it is not a fun place to be. But um, I met my boyfriend and uh, through Tinder. And for me, what I'm looking for is in in pictures, I'm looking for kind of kindness showing through in their eyes. I believe the window, the the eyes are the window to the soul. And because those dating profiles are so limited and some, some guys put like literally nothing on their profile. And it's like, I can't make a judgment on who you are as a person with such limited information. So for me, it's really become about looking at their eyes in their picture and seeing what is shining through and captured in that picture. I think that that's a form of magic in itself. It's, you know, it's eye divination and uh, all of that. So interesting your intuition as well about that person with that like first impression of their picture. Right. And, and with my boyfriend, he, um, he's very attractive and I love him dearly, but he's not the type of type of person that I would have normally gone for. And so I hovered over his profile for a good long while going, why am I not like immediately jumping on it? But honestly, the pictures that I kept going back to were ones that his eyes showed true joy and true happiness and kindness. And I was like, I just, I need to take a chance on this guy. And turns out, it was the best thing I could have done. So you you really do have to trust that intuition. Yeah. Um, and that's, we'll, we'll bring that up again later when we talk about being safe while dating. Um, but yeah, because your intuition is just super important in all areas of life. Right. Um, I also <clears throat> wanted to bring up, it's not really an, a realistic example because, you know, pop culture magic and fiction stuff like Harry Potter, those aren't how magic works in our real world or the way that we experience magic. But I thought the depiction of the love spell when Romilda Vane gave um, Harry those chocolates and Ron accidentally ate them. I, I felt like the depiction of that where that 
was like secretive and sort of the intention behind it was not necessarily good. Like Romilda wasn't actually attracted to Harry. She just like wanted to be near someone who is famous. And so I thought that that was a good example of like how love spells can be sort of warped um, based on like the intention behind it. Yeah, and uh, you know, also example from those books is Voldemort's mom. She cast a spell on Tom Riddle Sr. and made him fall in love with her. And then when the when she thought, oh, he really does love me and took the spell off, um, it turned out he didn't and he left. Right. It was an illusion that she had cast on him. And then it resulted in Voldemort. So yeah, was a very good choice. <laughs> um, but yeah, like we said, like that's not how magic works in real life, but um, just the intention behind it, I think, is what's important to note. And I also think we should probably mention, we talk about Harry Potter a lot. I was noticing when I was editing. And I think it's important to mention that we do not support J.K. Rowling at all. Absolutely not. The stories that she created, they have a lot of her horrendous views in them. Um, and we recognize that and read them through a really critical lens. At the same time, we read them with our mom when we were growing up. And so they've been a really special story for us. And it's um, it really helped to reform Erica and my bond as sisters as well when we went to the Orlando conference. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and so we're definitely very critical of Harry Potter, like Maggie said, and it's more about the bond that we share and the, the, Shared the shared experience than the reading with the fine tooth comb that we've done that uh is why we bring those stories up so often yeah and obviously the content matters for a witch podcast but <laughs> um just wanted to be clear about that in case somebody's listening and they don't know us personally we do not support jk rowling <laughs> not no <laughs> All right, so back to your regularly scheduled podcast. <laughs> so you can never be perfectly certain of the consequences of your actions of your spell work. So even a love spell cast with good intentions could cause unintended consequences. Yeah, and um, an example of a love spell that actually results in a relationship that ended the intention that she set wasn't to end her relationship, but there's a podcast called 30, 30 and Divorced. Future Maggie here with a correction. The podcast is called 35 and Divorced with Jennifer Blanchard. And in the first episode, she talks about how she manifested her divorce because she was setting the intention to be in a loving and fulfilled relationship eventually it led to a disconnect between her and her husband at the time and that resulted in their divorce and so I think that's part of this whole thing of like setting an intention of the kind of relationship that you want to have may result in you know I moved to Portland and I found a husband who met that for me <laughs> or he met a person who who filled that role for me or it could result in the relationship that you're currently in you know crumbling and falling apart because it doesn't match what you're putting out as what you want. And honestly, that resonates so strongly with me, and I probably need to listen to this podcast. 
um, because I, it was basically the same thing. I was terrified of going to any sort of counseling or seeking help or anything like that, because I knew in my heart and in my soul that if I started talking about the issues, that the result was going to be divorce. And that was not something I could face because I knew that my intentions and what I wanted from my life were not what was happening in my marriage. I think it's also important to talk about emotions when it comes to love spells. This kind of magic can have a lot of power because of the focused intention and emotion that is usually behind it. Sometimes a person may turn to love spells when they are feeling satisfied with life, independent and full of love to give, or it comes from a place of desperation, insecurity, and fear. Yeah, that really makes me think of that scene in Practical Magic where the woman comes to the aunts with her desire to curse her ex, and she has to pierce the heart of the dove. And in some ways, that's a love spell too, even though it's also a curse. She has a lot of hurt in her heart from someone who she thought she was in love with or who she might have still been in love with in some way. And you can feel that emotion and how much that's driving her decision to curse that person um, out of that like powerful love feeling or what she thought was love at least. And that's part of why perspective is really important and understanding where your ethical line is, understanding how far you're willing to go, what you want to do to get what you want or what you're willing to do to get what you want because you may be perceiving something as love and from another perspective, uh, it may look different from the other person's perspective. It might look like a trap or it might look like a, um, feel like an, a misalignment of what they want with their life. So now that you kind of understand what love magic is, how a love spell might work, focusing on yourself more than another person and all of that, uh, we are going to talk about how to date when you're a witch. So Erica has been dating much more recently than I have especially other people. So I hope that the two of us, we can cover a range of perspectives. And, you know, it's been a while since I went on a date with someone besides my husband. And I met him around the same time as when I, you know, decided to begin practicing witchcraft. So in some ways, I grew in my practice as I grew in the relationship. So I know you shared some of your thoughts in the past on this podcast, but what has it been like dating and forming a polycule as a witch? With my boyfriend, he was very interested in my beliefs and thoughts on witchcraft from the very beginning. I'm not quite sure how we got on that topic. Oh, he asked me, uh, like, what's a, you know, one of those stupid, like, get to know you questions. It's like, what's a secret that you want somebody to know but you haven't told anybody or something like that and I was like I'm actually magical and so then he asked me to elaborate and I did I remember one of our early early conversations was he was interested in the zodiac but only had the surface level knowledge that most people have and wanted to know why there was such a following behind it when there there's not as much like hard and fast science on it. He's very scientific brain, but he's also a lifelong learner. And so even though it didn't make sense to him in the science realm, it he wanted to know more about it in the metaphysical realm, which was one of my key like, yay, he's a good one. 
Right. I've dated probably three other guys, two other guys, and they were nice enough, but they weren't, they didn't get it. They just, they never put me down about it. They never were outwardly offended by it, but that's, you know, and we'll talk about that in safety too, is um, if there's a profile that comes along that says very boldly that they are of a certain religion, I know that I might not lead with me being a witch until I get to know that person better. Um, one guy, he was like staunchly atheist, had no tolerance for anything whimsical or magical or anything like that. He had a, an explanation or lack of an explanation for everything. And that just put me off real quickly. Um, and so it's, it's re it really is just about knowing who you can talk to about certain things. And I think that goes for any interest or hobby or belief system that you, you got to find a common ground. And even if, you know, they're not necessarily going to believe it with you or practice it with you, that they are accepting of it at the very least, because it is a part of you. Right, exactly. Like, that's super important for anything. Um, like for, for me, when I met Dana, he actually had a broken wrist. And so a lot of the things that he would normally be doing, like he works out of town and he plays a sport called bike polo. He wasn't doing those things. And so we spent like all of our time together. But then like when his wrist healed and he was able to go back to his regular activities, I realized like how important particularly bike polo is to him and how much like traveling he would do for that. But at that point, I was already like in love. So <laughs> I put up with it since I saw how important it was to him. It was, I was able to see, you know, this is something that I need to support him. And eventually like I got into it too. I'm, I really enjoy going and traveling with him to different areas of the country to see what, to see people who, are, who we formed friendship with. Um, and actually the world, we went to New Zealand because of bike polo, but it's the same with witchcraft. Like if someone has something that's really important to them, then you support them if you want to be in relation with them. And uh, so if you if you can't find someone who is supportive of that, and Dana was that way with me as well. He was, uh, when I was like exploring more into my spiritual side, he was like super supportive and, and, and asked questions and, um, you know, was interested in it as well. That's important. <laughs> if, some, if you care about something, then or if someone that you care about cares about something then you should care about that thing too at least to the point where you know how to like be respectful of it <laughs> yeah and and with that comes like i'm gonna say allowing but it's not even just like allowing it's it's i with my altar it was really important to me to have my altar in a place that was easy to get to not in a corner um, not so much on display, but a little bit on display. And so that was something when, you know, we moved into this new house that I had requested that there be a space for me to put that. Both Miles and Kim were very accommodating to that. And we talked through the different options. And the only request that they had is they didn't want it to be on a main level because of hosting other people for parties and stuff like that 
most, you know, to, to make it comfortable for people who may not want to see that kind of thing, but also as a protection, you know, we've talked about keeping people out of sacred spaces. Like, so it's a protection for me and it's a protection for my things so that they don't get broken. Um, and, and not them not having to worry about that if they had friends over that support piece is crucial. And it's, and it's not about getting your way, but it's about that conversation of this is something that's important to me and help me figure out how to make it happen. Yeah. I think that's pretty key is just like that idea of communication in general, um, communicating your needs, having the other person express theirs, there may be some compromise. And that's just how you have a good relationship in general. (laughs) Right, right. But I think like a big part of a witch's practice, or at least the way that Erica and I see witchcraft is a personal development and really getting to know yourself. And so that was a really important part of my early relationship with Dana as well was I was really getting into astrology and learning about my natal chart more in depth. And he was just really into it as well. He, w- he was willing to, you know, have me read it to him and, and learning about himself, reflecting on who he is. And so that was, part, that was really important because I think when someone places so much value on getting to know themselves, if the other person in a relationship is not willing to grow and get to the, know themselves as well, one person is moving you know, in different directions, and one person is kind of standing still. And that can be really hard to grow and change together, which is really important for a healthy relationship for people to be willing to change as the other person changes, and, you know, move with the other person, as things are really dynamic. But if one person is kind of standing still, I think that's what happened in that 35 and divorce podcast she was recognizing she was growing in all these different ways and her husband was standing still and he wasn't willing to change with her. So the relationship fell apart. So this week's episode is brought to you by Sunflower. Erica will start by telling us all about the medicinal properties and then I will share the magical properties. Sunflower's botanical name is Helianthus annus. Sunflower is used for a variety of reasons, mostly for digestive purposes. Eating the seeds can actually help with stomach ache and nausea. It's also really good for if you're vomiting or have hemorrhoids or anything in that digestive tract. It's also really good for the heart because it's low in calories and in sodium. So it helps with blood pressure and all of those things. It has a lot of vitamin E, so some anti-inflammatory properties in it. Good for building strong bones because it has some calcium and also magnesium, so it gives you a lot of good strength and flexibilities, flexibility in your bones and joints, and it can also help to relax muscles and nerves. It is a caution against using it during pregnancy. So talk with your doctor before using it in any sort of like salve or tea or tincture. I believe that the sunflower seeds should be fine, but I'm not a doctor. So ask your doctor. Yeah. So it looks like usually you're going to use it for eating the seeds or crushing the leaf. 
sunflowers as a magical plant are associated with the sun, obviously, uh, because they are called sunflowers. And so if you want to use that, uh, if you want to correspond with solar energy in a spell, adding sunflowers, the seeds, the whole flower, the whole plant to part of that ritual will be a good way to do that. Sunflowers are also, the resemblance to a lion's mane makes them a suitable herb for corresponding with Leo as well. They are an active herb uh, associated with the active energy and they are associated with the fire element. So if you would like to correspond with any of these spirit realm entities, sunflower is a good option for that. Sunflowers are often used during the Sabbat of Letha because of its association with the sun. And, at, and by the time we get to Lunasa, that's usually when the harvest of sunflowers is kind of at the peak. And so they're also associated with Lunasa. In that way, you can kind of use the sunflowers later into the season to prolong the strength of the sun because they are so associated with the sun. So if you're ever feeling like you are missing sunlight, then having a bundle of sunflowers can really bring in that light to your home. Sunflowers represent fertility and for good reason. They have so many seeds on them and they're big seeds as well that are really visible. So they're often associated with fertility. Doesn't necessarily mean that they help with fertility in like a scientific way, but they can be used to represent fertility as a way to bring that into your life if that's something you're interested in. And also in the sense that fertile can be about like creativity as well, having fertile ideas having like a new seed of an idea being planted, sunflowers can be good for that as well. You can use sunflowers in offerings to represent devotion, adoration, and loyalty. So if you work with a deity or if you have a spirit that you interact with, a sunflower can be a really beautiful gift to give them. And this comes from the fact that the sunflower follows the sun throughout the day. So it's like you're a follower of a tradition or you're a follower of a god or goddess. So the sunflower really represents that. Since sunflowers are associated with the sun and the sun's dominion is happiness and joy and success, you can add sunflower petals to any sort of spell work for those purposes, happiness, success, joy. And generally, sunflowers can be used for luck, protection, confidence, sun magic, as I've mentioned, fertility, wishes, fairy magic, joy, courage, friendship, prosperity, and happiness. Yay, sunflower. So we wanted to close out this episode with some information about keeping yourself safe when you're meeting new people. Being a witch means being open-minded to a wide range of beliefs, and unfortunately that can put us in danger. Exactly. There are a lot of things that witches have to worry about in general, not just with dating, like, you know, cults, conspiracy thinking, and that kinds of thing. But when it comes to dating, there are a lot of um, even, maybe even more dangerous things that can happen because of the intimacy that you have between a person that you are interested in romantically. The predators out there in the world, they use the language of the people that they are targeting against them. So somebody will use words like they're into the Zodiac or 
they like crystals or, you know, and they know a surface level enough to get in, but then it's not real. It's not a real interest. And you just have to be, there's nothing wrong with being interested in a person because they say that in a dating profile. That's not the red flag. The red flag comes up when they are unable to speak on it well or have, don't have questions for you or there's there's just a kind of a disconnect between what they've said and what they are able to do. Yeah, and then there's also the issue of like toxic positivity where people are using the language of the belief system using like love and light or offering blessings those kinds of things in a way that's gaslighting or minimizing any sort of real emotions that you might be having when you do get closer to someone and you start you there might be like an argument or you might have um, issues arise and if someone begins like telling you that it's not a big deal or something like that and saying to like be positive all the time that's a red flag as well it really is an opportunity for you to hone and tune your intuition there is nothing absolutely nothing wrong with you feeling bad and saying, I don't want this anything anymore. This is not what I was looking for. This is not what my intention has manifested and to leave. I went on a date with a guy. It was like our third date and he hit my butt as we were walking into a restaurant. And I'm the type of person that I don't confront in the moment. And I kind of just laugh it off and joke and joke around and be like, ha ha ha, that was funny. But then later, I'm I'm a later processor. I process it um, after the fact. And so afterwards, I got home and I was like, you know what, I was not okay with that. And so I texted him and I said, you know, I've thought about what happened. And I'm really I'm not I don't think we're at a point in our relationship where I feel comfortable with you doing those sorts of things. And he got all offended by it and defensive and saying like, why didn't you say it in the moment? And why weren't you more upfront about it? You were totally fine at the restaurant. And I was like, because I hadn't had time to process it. And now I've processed it. And now I'm telling you, and I'm putting up that boundary and you're not respecting it. At that point, I was like, yeah, I'm done with you. It's okay to say that. Before I was calling myself a witch and I was just, I was interested in like crystals and yoga and that kind of thing people would belittle me. Like I'd been on a couple dates where people would make fun of me and stuff like that. And that's a red flag, obviously, (laughs) as we talked about before, especially at that age, I feel like I was boy crazy, I guess. And so I didn't really stand up for myself in the moment. Like Erica was saying, sometimes you need a little bit of time to process. And so I think, you know, if someone's belittling the things that you believe in or like to do, then they're not worth your time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. There's so many other people to spend your time with. So and and also to going the other way of not necessarily belittling, but mansplaining. Oh my Um, god. Or womansplaining. It can happen. Where if you're talking about those crystals or you're talking about the zodiac and then they start explaining it to you and you're like, um, hi. (laughs) (laughs) I know. You know, those can be red flags as well. Like, 
you know, just, just pay attention to how the person is treating you and your interests and your hobbies. The other thing that I was thinking about is a red flag is when people, this happens with anyone, regardless of if you're romantically interested in them or not, but people who use like their zodiac sign or their spirituality to explain or to excuse their behaviors. So like, oh, I'm an Aries. So, you know, I'm just angry or I, I'm very quick to anger or something like that. I'm a Taurus. Um, I'm just stubborn. Yeah. Like you, you, like you can't tell me not to do that because I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> or, exactly. Like, of course, I'm manipulating you. I'm a Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The, the Zodiac is, is, is to be used as a guide and to help you to attain your higher self. Right. There's an evolution of your signs and through like personal reflection and you know deeper shadow work and spirit work you can continue to evolve into the best version of that zodiac sign excusing bad behavior because of your zodiac sign is the lowest level of the evolution if you think about it as like pokemons (laughs) like the (laughs) first (laughs) yes We also wanted to mention that there's a few ways that you can protect yourself with a spell and ritual. I have a protection satchel that sits on my altar. And in it, I have a bay leaf and lavender and I think some basil. What's this black stone? Probably onyx. Um, And then I also have an onyx in it. And then for me, it's got, I've got two pins which are representing like the person who's trying to hurt me getting a little poke back to kind of like, like a, think of it like a cactus. Like they try to hurt me, but the cactus pokes them back and they're like, Ooh, maybe I don't want to hurt that person. (laughs) That's my favorite way of thinking of how to use herbs for magic is based on like how the plant uses its parts. (laughs) It's like a cactus using its spines for protection or using pins that are like their spines yeah and then I just have a little paper in here that there's a black thread wrapped around the paper that has my protection spell written on it as a form of binding it and keeping me safe and then you can just take that on your date with you or leave it somewhere special and it'll do its work I always like to use Saturn for boundaries I think Saturn gets a bad name in astrology in general because you know Saturn when it appears in a chart, it's like always putting a hold on everything else that the other planets want to do. So if Jupiter's like, here's some money, and then Saturn's like, no. <laughs> and then if Venus is like, here's some love, and Saturn is like, wait a minute. <laughs> but I think those boundaries are really important. I think Saturn gives us the opportunity to, you know, take a step back and make sure that this is a safe situation, whether it's crossing a threshold that we don't want to cross. And so I like to work with Saturn whenever I'm like thinking about protection and whatever my boundaries are. So looking up herbs and crystals that are associated with Saturn and a lot of the ones that Erica mentioned for her little satchel. I don't mean to diminutize it. (laughs) It, No, it is. It's a little, it's a little satchel. It's very cute. (laughs) Are related to Saturn. You want it to be small enough that you can put it in your purse. So little is fine. Okay. (laughs) I don't mean it like your little satchel. 
Um, anyway, but a lot of the things that she's included in that are related to Saturn, like um, Bay and the Onyx. Whenever I feel like I'm going into a situation that's unsafe and, and I don't, this is not in terms of dating because I only date my husband, as I mentioned, and I don't feel unsafe with him. But if I feel like I need to set boundaries for myself, I like to sprinkle a circle of pepper around myself before I leave the house or sometimes after I've left the house, like right on the back porch. So I'm not making a mess in my kitchen, but that's like creating that boundary, creating that protective boundary because black pepper is associated with boundaries and um, protection. So Anyway, that's another little thing you can do is just like keep some pepper by the door and <laughs> give yourself a little protective circle before you leave. Okay. Stay safe out there. Stay safe out there. And as the podcast, what's the podcast? Murder. My favorite murder. Yeah. What did they say? Uh, as they say on my favorite murder, stay sexy and don't get murdered. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> As I mentioned last week, we are going to be talking about the cross-quarter phases of the lunar cycle for a couple of weeks now because they fall more directly in line with our podcast release dates. So when this podcast comes out, the moon will be in the waxing crescent phase. And I always see this as a time to take big action toward the intention that I set at the new moon because, you know, we've talked about bell curves a lot, but with the lunar phase it's ramping up. So it's in that exponential growth before it gets to the um, first quarter moon. And it's more of like a linear growth. And so Erica, what was your intention this cycle? And have you taken any actions toward it slash are you going to? Okay, so my quarterly goal for Leo was to set up a budget and really understand what my finances were. Because I have a new job that was a pay increase. So I have more money than I used to. So I needed to figure out where the extra money was coming from. So now we are halfway through Leo season, moving into Virgo season, which was about, for me, exploration and doing new adventures and all of that. My new moon intention was to actually use the budget that I've set up this season for this month of August. My action that I've taken is going to be getting that first full week of August set up so that I know what my money looks like. Oh my gosh, my calatheas are all wilted. (laughs) (laughs) A-H-D. Okay. My goal for Leo season is was to be more creative or to like give in to my creative side. And especially in terms of Mumbles Academy, we've been doing it as like a sort of like a role playing game mechanics. And so my new moon intention is reconnecting with people, setting up Mumbles Academy in a way that at least the public areas where like the free stuff and give people access to start making sure that I've done everything right. So the actions that I'll be taking for like during the waxing crescent are finishing up those lessons. (laughs) It's getting those set up. 
Okay, so now we want to hear from you. If you go to witchwanderer.com, you'll find the latest game. This week we are asking a question. If you were a deity, what would your domain be over? If I was a deity, my domain would be tea and tarot and cats. <laughs> I knew you were going to say cats. <laughs> <laughs> if I were a deity, my domain would be yarn crafts and watching TV. Nice. <laughs> You can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 032. We'll be taking a week off next week. Because Maggie's visiting me in Colorado. But you can join us the following week when we will be talking about how to make the most of Virgo season. In that episode, we will be, us- we will be looking at the tarot card Knight of Pentacles and looking for areas where this card shows up in our life. So this is about being hardworking, responsible, persistent, and realistic. The Knight of Pentacles is a traditionalist, is in some ways very dogmatic to the things that they believe in. They are very dedicated and inflexible in some cases. But at the same time, they always get the task done because they do it right the first time. They can be cautious, afraid of taking chances because if something works, then you don't need to try something else. I feel like this card is me in a nutshell. It's very, it feels very Capricorn to me and not very Leo, but. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's or, um, Leo, Leo Virgo. Yeah, sorry. It's on the cusp of Virgo and Leo. It feels very Capricorn and not so much Leo Virgo. But we could talk about that next time. <laughs> the knights are the mutable cards. Yours is the queen of pentacles. Oh, that's right. Make sure you subscribe so that you are notified about each new episode. To help other witches find the show, please leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Instagram as well at Mumbles and Things and join us in the Mumbles Academy to chat about this episode with other witchy folks. Bye-bye. Bye.